All right, so we're going to begin here on the top of Pevav and Aleph by the Mishnah. Mishnah continuing the format that we've seen until now in the Perek, which is, first of all, Minayin, the Poletet Shechvat Zerab Yom Hashilishi. How would he know that someone who expunges Shechvat Zerah semen on the third day, she he Tmeah, that the woman is Tmeah, Shinemar, Yu Nochunim, Lishloshet Yamim. Should be prepared for three days. The Gemara is going to discuss this. We'll just give broad introduction to it now, and then the Gemara is going to get into more details about this. This is found in the Gemara Nida, Daflam Gil, Daflam Bet, that there is a Gzeratatatuv, that not only is a man who emits Shikhvatzera Tamei, he has Tumat Erev, but a woman as well, if she has Shikhvatzera deposited inside of her, as long as it remains inside of her, then there is no Tumat for the woman. On the other hand, if the woman who has the Shechvatzer deposited inside of her then has it disgorged, plunged from the woman. When it leaves the woman, if it is still classified as Shechvatzer, she is Tmeah also. She has that same din of the Tumat Erev, Tmeah, Tumat, Shechvatzer. The question is, how long is whatever is found inside of her classified as Shechvatzer? So the Gemara in Nida speaks about this, and the basic answer is 72 hours. For three days, 72 hours, Shechot Zera is still considered to be Zera. It has the ability to be Mazria. It has the ability to impregnate. And as long as it can impregnate, it still has classified as Shechot Zera. After that, that point, it's going to be Musrach, that it's rotted, done bad, putrid. And therefore, even if the liquid is expunged from the woman, it will not be classified as Sheikh Bazar because it's not any longer under that category. So the Gemara wants to know where do we know that from? So the Gemara brings the possibility, the hint from preparing for Har Sinai. At Har Sinai it says you have to be prepared for three days. And over there it says that a person may not be together with his wife during that period of time of the three days. So the Gemara says that that's a hint to this idea that the Polete Sheikh has a three-day window, a 72-hour window, in which the Sheikh Zerah is problematic. How do we know that you can wash, take care of the Milah on the third day, Shechaliyot Shabbat and Shabbat? How do you know that the danger is significant enough that one can violate the Shabbat in order to take care and wash, provide medical attention to a Milah on the third day? Shimon and Levi attacked the city of Shechem. They waited until the third day after the people of Shechem had Brit Milah. And then they attacked on the third day. Why did they attack on the third day? It seems from the Pesach because That seems to be the peak of their difficulty or the residual effects of having the Brit Milah. And from that, the Gemara sees that as a hint to the fact that the third day is the most difficult day after the Brit Milah, and one is permitted, therefore, to violate the Shabbat for what we would consider to be medical reasons, or sakanat nefashot, because of the difficulty on the third day. Minayin, shekoshrim lashon shel zehorit, hamishtaleach. How do we know that you tie a crimson, a wool string, onto the horns of the seir hamishtaleach, the seir that is thrown off the mountain? How do you know that we put such a string there? Shinemar. The hint of that comes, Imyut chataychem kashanim. If your sins are like crimson, kashelag yalbino. They shall be whitened like snow. So it's talking obviously allegorically in the figurative sense that 
chet or sin is seen as something red, whereas purity, tahara, is seen as something white. So Hashem says that your sins will be removed, purified, taken care of, and then you will be white, pure. So Chazal see that as a hint to the fact that they used to keep a string, a crimson string, on the horns of the seer Mishdaleach. There the Gemara in Yoma discusses the fact they used to split the string. Part of it they used to keep on a rock up top, part of it between the horns. They also have a, a string inside the Kodesh HaKodeshim or in Yerushalayim. That also, if the Tfilot were accepted and Sir Mishdaleach was accepted, that would also turn white. It was one of the miracles that took place in the Mikdash. Over time they had to start hiding it because the people were very focused on it. And then obviously it also stopped working, that the miracle stopped happening, and therefore they did away with the practice of keeping it out in public. But here's this idea that maybe there is a sign or a siman through the string to the statement of Hashem, the Aragorka statement, that our sins have been forgiven. How do we know that anointing oneself has the same din as drinking? It's so one of the five inuim is achila, shtia, and sicha. The reason that sicha is restricted is because sicha is shtia, it's the equivalent of drinking. Even though we don't have proof to it, we have a mention of it, shenemar, it will come like water in his inside, and oil, water, is ingested, is drunk. So that's the water that you drink, and it's compared, or it's parallel to, Shemin Batsmotav, oil on his bones, the way that oil is placed on the individuals, that's Sicha, that you anoint them, you rub the oil on the body, and then it's absorbed into the body, into the bones. Why isn't that a good proof? So Tosfot says, because, is not really about drinking, it's really about bathing, and not drinking, which would defeat the whole... Proof. So even though it's a nice idea, a nice proof, it's only a zechelidavar, not a raya, because you would really have to be drinking in order to be an absolute proof to this fact. Right, so the latter items that are mentioned in the Mishnah, we won't get to today. The Gemara is going to deal with the first one, which is the Poletet Shechvat Zerah. And that's going to launch us into one of the most famous agaratot about Mamad Harsinai, all the things that surround Mamad Harsinai. We'll get a little start on it today, but it'll continue over the next couple of dapim issues or things that we're familiar with, midrashim that we're very familiar with. Many of them are here in the Gemara with regards to Mamad Harsinai. So Gemara says, Reisha Delo Rabbi ben Azariah. The Reisha cannot be authored by Rabbi ben Azariah, but Seifa is authored like Rabbi ben Azariah. Because the E, Rabbi ben Azariah, if this Reisha was like Rabbi ben Azariah, Tehorah Shmanalei. We heard that he says it's Tehorah. Instead of the Mishnah saying, It should say, That's the opinion of Rabbi Lezim Rezariah. We'll get to it in a minute. Gemara is taking it for granted that we know it, but the Gemara will bring it in one second. That Rabbi Lezim Rezariah believes that if the Sheikh Rezariah comes out on the third day, already that is considered to be Tehorah. So he can't be the author of that piece of the Mishnah. On the other hand, he is the author of the latter half of the Mishnah, or the, at least the middle section of the Mishnah, which is Marchitim et Bayom Because later on in Paragraph Eleazar de Milo, he's quoted as the author of that position. So now we have a problem. We have a Mishnah that says, or has one part authored by Rabbi Ben Azariah, 
But another part of the Mishnah cannot be authored by Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah. So you have an inconsistency in the Mishnah. So when you have an inconsistency in the Mishnah, you have two options. One option is to amend the Mishnah and to make it consistent. The other option is to leave it inconsistent and say that there are two authors. Rabbi was Masada the Mishnah, and he picked and chose who he put in. It doesn't always consistent within the Mishnah. That's exactly what the Gemara says. So Gemara has the two answers. Man, the low muki kitanai, the one who does not like to have multiple authors in the Mishnah, Tanarisha Tehora. He amends the Mishnah, and it reads Tehora instead of Tmeya. And then it will be consistent that Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah is the author of the Mishnah. Umuki law, the kuluk, Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah. He establishes the entire Mishnah to be authored by Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah. The Ri and Tosavot notes that we wouldn't just make this change willy-nilly, there had to be other Gersa'ot or versions of the Mishnah that had the word Torah in it. So since that is a viable option, they can opt for that Gersa in the Mishnah in order to resolve the inconsistency in authorship. Oman the Mukikit Tanai, and the one who sets it up as a Machloket Tanaim, Reisha Rabbonon, the Seifah Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah. He leaves the Mishnah intact the way we have it, and he says, Enochanami. The ratio is authored like the Rabbanan, like you were suggesting. Why does it have to be? It doesn't have to be. So the ratio is like the Rabbanan. The Seifa is like Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah. Alright, so now the Gemara says, Tan What is this issue of Poletet Shechvadzerah? So now the Gemara is going to bring us a three-way Machloket. And the Gemara after this will introduce a fourth opinion later on. So there are going to be four opinions as to how this Poletet Shechvadzerah works. What's interesting, the Mishnah mentioned already that they're garnering the information from the preparations for Har Sinai. That is pre-Matan Torah. Pre-Matan Torah, Palatet Shekvazer shouldn't have made a difference. That's what Tosafot raises. The Afopi Shotoshah, Dain Lo Nitna Torah. Mikomakom Mistama Hikpida Torah. Torah was Makyanet beforehand. Even though it wasn't something that was explicitly given yet, nevertheless, because of the nature of the Tumah, that's Yotzei Migufo, and importance of Matan Torah, in that framework we assume that Matan Torah, or Mamad Sinai, was done with everything correct and everything done properly. Tozot also points out that there is no restriction against Tmeim in general, learning Torah, or being in presence of Torah. problem is Balkari. Balkari is a lack of Ema and Ira, and that lack of Ema and Ira is inconsistent or incompatible with Mamad Har Sinai. So even though it's pre-Matan Torah, there are reasons to say that Balkari should be Balkari should be problematic because of its incompatibility with Mamad Har Sinai. So now the Gemara brings this Breita, this Mishnah, that Poletet Shechvat Zerah Bayom Hashilishi Tehorah, Divrei Rabbi ben Azariah, as we saw before. Rabbi ben Azariah believes that Poletet Shechvat Zerah on the third day is Tehorah. Now, for Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah, as Rashi points out now, Loshna, it makes no difference whether they had relations. The beginning of Leil Chamishi, beginning of Leil Chamishi means the night after Wednesday, which is Thursday, the beginning of Thursday. If they had relations then, then he has Daladonot. And Una is a 12-hour period. So Rashi says, then you have then four 12-hour periods until the third day. And that is because Thursday will be classified as day one. Friday will be classified as day two. Shabbat will be classified as day three. Therefore, the Poletet Shechvat will be problematic if she has Plitat Shechvat on Thursday night. Thursday night, again, I'm going to use it in the halachic sense, the night preceding the day. So that's Leo Chamishi. 
Yom Chamishi will also be problematic. Leo Shishi will be problematic. Yom Shishi will be problematic. But then already by the night of Shabbat, everything will be fine. If she's polluted at that point, it's already Tehorah. And the same with Shabbat day. She'll be Tehorah. Because the way Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah states it, it is simply enough to have two days where it's classified as Tmeah, but the third day already, it is Tehorah. But not only does he say that, he also says in addition to that, that mixat hayom kikulo. A portion of a day is classified as a full day. And therefore, Rashi brings the second scenario in which Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah would say the same thing, which is, if Shimsha im chashecha, on Thursday, Thursday day, at the approach of nightfall, right before nightfall, they have bi'ah. That woman, who now has the Sheikh Zera at the tail end of Thursday, again, she will only have to wait two holo note. That Thursday at the end of the day counts as a single day. As far as Rabbi Lezer ben Azariah is concerned, days are what matter, onot don't matter. Rashi is just pointing out to you that in these different circumstances, you could have anywhere from four onot, according to Rabbi Lezer ben Azariah, where she is Tmeah, down to two onot, where she is Tmeah. But for Rabbi Lezer ben Azariah, the only thing that is important is days. So either she had Bia at the beginning of Thursday, beginning of Thursday means Leo Hamishi, or she had it at the tail end of Thursday, irrespective of when she had that Bia, that's considered to be one day. Whether it's the beginning or the end. The difference would be an extra 2-0 note when she would be Tmeah. Because the beginning of Thursday would be an additional 24 hours where she would be paletted and she'd be have Shikvazera. But if she has it at the tail end of Thursday, then that airtime period, she obviously was not paletted Shikvazera. Then you have Friday. Friday is your second day. Leil Shishi, Shishi, that's your second day. And then by Friday night, already Shabbat, it's your third day. She is Tehorah. So whether she had Biyah at the beginning of Leil Chamishi or the tail end of Yom Chamishi, that's Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah. When time she gets to Shabbat, she is Tehorah. Because the only thing that was important to Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah is days. The Torah says, three days prepare. On the third day, you're going to have Matan Torah. Right? So on the third day, you get Matan Torah. That means that the previous two days are problematic. And that's how he learns out that Poletet Sheikh Bezerah is only problematic for two days. But he also learns that Mixatayom Kikulo. So it's not literally two days, it's a day plus a little more. So a day plus a little more, you're Tmeya. After that, already you're in the third day, you are Tehorah. Then, Rabbi Shmuel Omer, Pa'amim Shehem Daladonot, Pa'amim Shehem Heonot, Pa'amim Shehem Vav Onot. Sometimes it's four Onot, meaning that it's four 12 hour periods, 48 hours. Sometimes it's five Onot, which would be 60 hours. And sometimes it is six onot, which would be 72 hours. What does this depend on? So the first thing is that Rabbi Shmuel agrees to the basic principle of Rabbi Elzar ben Azariah, that Mixadayom is Kikulo. That he does agree with. What he doesn't agree to with regards to Rabbi Elzar ben Azariah is basically what our Mishnah says, which is that he believes that for the three days you are Tamei, or the Tmeah, the woman is Tmeah, she's Poletic Zikvazera. It's only on the fourth day that you are Tehorah. On Yom Dalid, you are Tehorah. So once again, Shabbat, you will be Tehorah. The question is, when you had Biyah. So as opposed to Rabbi Lezim and Azariah, where we talked about Biyah either being at the beginning of Leil Chamishi, or the tail end of Yom Chamishi, for Rabbi Shmuel, that same idea will be true with regards to Yom Rivi'i, with regards to Wednesday. She could have Bi'ah in one of three different time periods on Yom Rivi. 
on the beginning of Leo Rivi, to after Tuesday that night, then immediately that night, as the night enters, she could have Biyah then. She could have Biyah on Wednesday morning. Or she could have Biyah on Wednesday right before sunset, right before dark. Now, again, he believes, That means that Wednesday, no matter when on Wednesday she had Biyah, that counts as one day. Thursday will be the second day. Friday will be your third day. Shabbat already is day four, and she is to Horam. No matter when she has Biyah on Wednesday, then by the time we get to Friday night, she is to Horam. The difference will be how many onotes between the time she had Biyah and Friday night. If she has Biyah on the beginning of Wednesday, Leo Revi, then she has the maximum amount of onotes between then. That means you have Wednesday night, Wednesday day. Thursday night, Thursday day. Friday night, Friday day. That's six onot. That's what it means. Sometimes it's six onot. If she had beyond Wednesday morning, then from Wednesday morning until Friday night, you have five onot. Wednesday day, leil chamishi, yom chamishi, Thursday itself, leil shishi, and shishi, that's five onot. If she has beyond Wednesday right before nightfall, again, that will qualify as a day, but in terms of onot that remain until Friday night, there are only four onot now. Leil chamishi, Chamishi, Leo Shishi, Shishi, four onot. So what Rabbi Shmuel just pointed out is, you can have anywhere from four, five, or six onot. You can have any amount of those onot between the time she has Biyah and the time she has Torah. Again, he's focused on days, like Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah. The only thing that matters is three days. But your first day can be mixed at Yom Kukulo. Therefore, on Yom Rivi'i, you have a spread of time in which she can have the Biyah. She can have it all the way at the beginning of Yom Rivi'i, that's Leo Rivi'i. Or the tail end of Leo Revi. The difference between them is two onot. So therefore you'll have a span between them of getting from anywhere from four to six onot. The equivalent of which by Rabbi Lazar Marzaya would be two, three, and four onot. Rabbi Lazar Marzaya, since he requires one day less, has two onot less. So his equivalent will be two, three, and four for Rabbi Lazar Marzaya. For Rabbi Shmuel, that'll be four, five, and six onot. So that's Rabbi Shmuel's opinion. Rabbi Akiva now changes the terminology. Akiva says, it's not true that it's dependent on days. It has nothing to do with days. Hey, five onot. It's five onot made the eight. Five onot made the eight means 60 hours. From the time she has biyah until the time that she becomes Torah is 60 hours. Whatever, no matter when you start, it doesn't matter when you start, doesn't matter when you had the biyah. From that moment that you had the biyah, you count 60 hours. And wherever those 60 hours end, that's the end of being Tmeah. After the 60th hour, then you are automatically Torah. So it's five onot, five 12 hour periods from the time you had Biyah until the time that you are Tehorah. There's a period where it's good and then it's disrupted. Right. Biologically, Rabbi Kiva is much more consistent because he has a consistent period of time in which we say that the Sheikh Vazera is able to inseminate or to impregnate. And then after that period, it's no good. According to Rabbi Shmuel, Rabbi Lezer ben Azariah, you, you have a flexible window here when it is or isn't. What Rabbi Shmuel and Rabbi Lezer ben Azariah have in their favor, which the Gemara is going to say in one second, is that we're learning out of Matan Torah. In Matan Torah, oh no, they're not mentioned. What is mentioned are days. And therefore, days are what are significant in Matan Torah. And that's why Rabbi Shmuel and Rabbi Lezer ben Azariah make more sense in the context of Matan Torah. And that's exactly what the Gemara says right now. Amrua Rabbanan Kamei the Rabbapa. Rabbanan said in front of Rabbapa, Amrila Rabbapa the Rabbapa, some say it was Rabbapa to Rabbapa, Bishlama, 
the Rabbi Lazar ben Erzariya Kirabonon. Lazar ben Erzariya will hold like the Rabbanon the Amre Behei Ovid Prisho that on Thursday they separated from their wives. Vir Rabbi Shmuel will hold like Rabbi Yossi the Amar Bidalid Ovid Prisho. On Wednesday they separated from their wives. Ela Rabbi Akiva Kiman. Who does Rabbi Akiva hold like? This is a machloket we're going to get to in the second half of today's daf. It's a machloket about when did they separate from their wives? Machloket is between Rabbi Rabbanan and Rabbi Yossi. Rabbi Yossi says that Moshe came down from Har Sinai on Wednesday, and on Wednesday he commanded them to separate from their wives. So if he's commanded them to separate from their wives on Wednesday, and the Torah was given on Shabbat morning, then you know that you have Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you are Tmeah. That's why you're separated. Shabbat, you're ready to arrive. She goes to the mikveh on Friday night, and she's then a Tvulyom or Tovelatyom, and she's Torah to accept the Torah on Shabbat. That is consistent with the position of Rabbi Ishmael. Rabbi Ishmael said, you have three days where you are at Tmeah, the fourth day you are at Torah. So Rabbi Yossi basically has that layout. He says the Prisha, the demand to separate from the wife started on Wednesday. Then you have Wednesday separate, Thursday separate, Friday separate. That's three days of separation. And then already Shabbat, you are Tehorah. Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah will subscribe to the position of the Rabbanan. The Rabbanan believed that Moshe came down on Thursday morning and told them to separate from their wives. If he told them Thursday morning to separate from their wives, that means that you have Thursday, Friday, and then by Shabbat already you're Torah. That means two days of Tmeah. The third day already, the politician comes there, it's Torah. That's like the position of Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah. So we can reconcile Rabbi Shmuel and Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah to the positions about what the Prisha, when you separated from their wives at Mamad Har Sinai. But for Rabbi Akiva, we have a problem. Rabbi Akiva says that Poleta Chikvazera is five oh note, 60 hours. According to him, when did Moshe give them this information? When did Moshe, Moshe comes down, he gives the information about the Prisha. That day, she can no longer, that Onam is no longer available to him. That will get to, that would support the Rabbanan's position, right. Kamara will later on ask that question on Rabbi Yossi. How is it Rabbi Yossi has four days when the Torah says three days? So the Gemara will, at the end of today's daf, explain why Rabbi Yossi has a fourth day. But what we have here is we have an explanation or understanding of the other opinions, but for Rabbi Akiva, we don't understand. When he says that, if she now expels the Sheikh Zerah, where does he learn out five oh note from? From which one of these Tanaim do you get five oh note? There's no five oh note here. If Moshe came down on Wednesday morning or Thursday morning, in either case, you have either more oh note than five oh note or less than five oh note. What you don't have is five oh note. Where did Rabbi Kiva come up with this five oh note number that by Friday night she's already Tehorah? He doesn't hold a mixed day yom because he holds of onot, not of yom. Right? So Rabbi Kiva has a problem. So the answer the Gemara gives is, El Rabbi Kiva, come on. So the Gemara says, Olam Rabbi Yossi. He has to hold like Rabbi Yossi because he needs the five onot. The Rabbanon won't give him enough time to get to the five onot. But if you have it Wednesday morning like Rabbi Yossi, you could possibly get to five onot. Moshe Bashkamala or Bashkamayarad. Every time Moshe ascended the mountain and descended the mountain, that was done early in the morning. So that means Hashem gave Moshe the information that they have to separate from their wives. 
When did Moshe relay that information bring it down? We thought on Wednesday during the day. It sounds like he comes down on that day and tells them the information. From Rav Adar who makes the Zekesh, just like Moshe, when it said he went up, he goes up early in the morning. So too, when he descended, he descended early in the morning. If he descends very early in the morning, then we understand Rabbi Kiva's position. Because then, it's a full day on Wednesday. Starting from Wednesday morning, now we get the 5 note that you had just suggested. He comes down very early on Wednesday morning. That means that Wednesday day counts as the first Onah. Then, Leo Chamishi is second Onah. Yom Chamishi is third Onah. Leo Shishi is the fourth Onah. And Yom Shishi is the fifth Onah. Then by Friday night, they can go to the Mikveh, she's Teorah. So that's the source for Rabbi Akiva's 5 note is based on two premises. One premise is that it's onot, not days. The second one is this Ravada Bava. That Ravada Bava says when Moshe descended, he descended early in the morning. And that's how you can get a full five onot in before you hit Friday night, before you hit the point where she is Tehora. How do we know that that's true? Every time Moshe Rashkama Allah, Rashkama Yerai Rashkama Allah, how do you know he went up early in the morning? That said explicitly, Vayal El Har Sinai. Vashkama Yerai Lech raid ve'alita ataveron imach that you should go down and then bring our own up with you. Mekish yirida aliyah. There's a juxtaposition here between descending and ascending. Maliyav ashkama. That juxtaposition teaches us just like the ashkama was true for the ascension to the mountain. Afirida. So too with the descending of the mountain, ashkama was done early in the morning. That's the limud of Adabavo, upon which Rabbi Kiva relies to come up with his. Five lehu. Why did he have to tell them? This is an interesting question of the Gemara. Moshe comes down early in the morning, according to Rabbi Kiva, even according to Rabbi Shmuel and Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah, he came down in the day on Wednesday, or the day Thursday, and told them this information. The Gemara posits a very simple question. Why did he tell them then? The information at that point is meaningless. Why is that? Yisrael are holy. They don't have intercourse during the day. So telling them to separate from their wives during the day is not meaningful because they were naturally separated from their wives at that point in time because they don't have intercourse during the day. So, Wait a minute. There are ways to have intercourse during the day. The problem of intercourse during the day is not because it's daytime. It's because it's the nature of day to have light. It's an in-time period. It's having intercourse when... Everything's exposed. Everything's lit. But if you can simulate the features of night, which is that you can darken the room. Close the trees. Right. If you close the tree seam, you black out the room. In that case, you can have intercourse in the day because you basically simulated the features of night. And therefore, it would be permissible. So there is a way, even though you saw Kadoshi ma'am, to have intercourse during the day in a permissible manner, which is in Mayabaya Tafel Mutar. Mutar. But Tamar Chacham doesn't even have to darken the room. He can simply darken by using the sheets, the covers. Here it says his cloak. But you can simulate night in a much more local area. Not in the entire room, but on the bed where the intercourse is taking place. The Gemara poses the question, why did Moshe have to tell him about it during the daytime? The Gemara answer is, because there is this possibility of intercourse during the day. Right. Gemara's question is a little bit, I agree with you, a little strange, because, truthfully, he has to tell them sometime, and he needs to tell them before nighttime. So the question really is posed, in a sense, why did he have to tell them early in the day? Why is it that he turned them early in the day? Whether, according to Rekiva, that means immediately in the morning, he could have waited, he could have told them a little later in the day. 
According to the others, he could have done it, you know, late in the day. Why did he do it even in the morning time for them? So that's the basic premise of the question. Now the Gemara says, According to everybody's opinion here, that's what Tosavot says, Rashi will say that this question, the next question of the Gemara, only focuses on Rabbi Akiva, truthfully can apply to all of them. When we say here that, they're out for the Yom because you go to the mikveh. When do you go to the mikveh? Everybody agrees now. Rabbi Akiva's 5.0 terminate Friday night. Right as you enter into Shabbat. The three days, or two days, the three days according to Rabbi Shmuel, the two days according to Rabbi Elizabeth you also terminate as you enter into Shabbat. So go, Friday night you go to the mikveh. That makes you what we call a tbulyom. After you enter the mikveh, you're not tahor until you've now crossed over a sunset. Well, if you're going to the mikveh at night, the next time you cross over sunset will be Saturday night, Motzei Shabbat. The problem is that they had got the Torah ready on Shabbat morning. So the Gemara says, according to everybody's opinion here, they were Tvuleyom. That is right. The Torah was given to Tvuleyom. You're right. That's the conclusion you would come to from these opinions. And that's true. That it was given to Tvuleyom. They said over this Memra. Amalei Ravina the Meremar. Rav... Ina queried Remar, Nitna Kamart or Kamart? Was it literally given to people who were Tvuleyom or Kamart that it could have been given? It didn't really happen that way. Nobody was really a Tvuleyom. Nobody was Poletet Shechvatzera late on Friday. They were able to go to the mikveh even on Friday day. Nobody saw Shechvatzera after that point in time. And sunset on Friday already made them Tehorim. Had they seen Shechvatzera after they had gone to the mikveh, late on the day on Friday, they would have to go to the mikveh Friday night, and they would have been Tvuleyom. But that just didn't happen. Since it didn't happen, they were Tehorim. But, had it happened, they would have gone to the mikveh, and they would have been okay to accept the Torah. So it's a theoretical point that they could have accepted the Torah as Tvuleyom, but in practicality, that's not what happened. But it could have happened. Meaning, given the scenario, it could have happened, it just didn't happen. So the Gemara asks now, if you believe that a Tvoyom can get the Torah, why did God wait until the morning? Waiting until the morning has no benefit in terms of Tumah. You go to the mikveh on Friday night, by the time you get to Shabbat morning, you're no better off than you were Friday night. You've gone to the mikveh, you're a Tvoyom. Shabbat morning, you also went to the mikveh and you are a Tvoyom. So why not have Matan Torah on Friday night? They were already ready. Once they went to the mikvah on Friday night, they could have accepted the Torah on Friday night. Now, again, Rashi says this is a question on Rabbi Akiva. Tosafot says it's equally a good question on Rabbi Lazar ben Azari and Rabbi Shmuel. They all have it that you can go to the mikvah by Friday night. And if you can go to the mikvah on Friday night, waiting until Shabbat morning has no benefit in terms of Tumah Torah. Let's have the Torah on Friday night. So Amar Rabbi Yitzchak, Rabbi Yitzchak says, quotes a pasuk in Shayah that says, "Lo me rosh paseter dibarti." In the beginning, I did not speak in secrecy. Right? That's the pasuk that he quotes. That pasuk you could use as the proof simply that God doesn't come at times of secrets. When times of secrets, that's at nightfall. Well, the problem is that Rashi quotes the end of the pasuk and says, "Oh, the pasuk ends bimkom eretz choshech in the time or the place." When the land is in nightfall. Well, you go look in that Pasuk, in Ishaya Memchet, the remainder of the Pasuk that Rashi quotes does not exist. It's not there. 
So what Rabbi Kiva Eger does, you can see that there's a mark for the Rabbi Kiva Eger. You can also see that the Mesorah Tashaz has it over here. There's another Pasuk in Shaya, Ishaya Memhei, Pasuk Yutet. And there, the Pasuk's a little different. And obviously you would have to amend the Gemara to have this part of the Pasuk quoted. But this Pasuk, if you do have it, does have the end that Rashi is quoting. And that is, the Pasuk there says, Lo b'seiter debarti bimkom eretz choshech lo amarti. So there it says, Lo b'seiter, I didn't speak in secrecy. Bimkom in the place where there was darkness over the land, lo amarti, I didn't speak. So that Pasuk would be more appropriate because then it's talking about darkness. It's really literally talking about nightfall. Either way, whether the proof is from the Pasuk of Memchet, proof is from Mishaya Memei, the idea being that God does not give Torah or did not give Matan Torah either in secrecy or in the dark, which is, he didn't give it at night. It's not identical. That's the problem. This puzzle begins, Lo Rosh Beseiter, and over there it's Lo Beseiter Dibarti. So then, the Gemara says, Belikabula Torah. So now the Gemara says, okay, now why do you bother going to the mikveh on Friday night? Why not? With La Tavlu Bitzafra. Go to the mikveh on Shabbat morning. The Likablu Torah bitzafra the Shabbat. And then they can accept the Torah afterwards. Why are they going to the mikveh on Friday night? They can just go to the mikveh on Shabbat morning. They go to the mikveh on Shabbat morning and accept the Torah on the Shabbat morning. Now this question is posed to Rabbi Akiva. According to Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah and Rabbi Shmuel, Pasuk over there doesn't worry about onot. It only worries about days. Since it worries about days, by the time you get to Friday night, you can go to the mikveh. The question of Rabbi Kiva is, well, let's think about this. You could have gone to the mikveh on Shabbat morning instead of Friday night. Well, then how many onot were there between the time Moshe told them to separate from their wives and Matan Torah? Rabbi Kiva until this point said five. There were five onot because everybody went to the mikveh on Friday night. Well, instead, why don't they go to the mikveh on Shabbat morning? And six onot. And say the requirement of Poleta Chikmazera is six onot. Why don't you say that? That could be said in Rabbi Kiva's position. Why did Rabbi Kiva come to conclusion five onot? He could have come to conclusion six onot. Sam Rabbi Yitzchak, Problem is, you have a massive nation here. The people get up early, they're going heading out to Mamad Har Sinai. Well, there's some of those people at Poleta Chikmazera, they need to go to the mikveh to get to Hor before they can show up to Matan Torah. So you have these people heading out to Matan Torah and these people heading to the Mikveh. We want a unified front, a unified Am coming to do the same thing. We want everybody doing the same thing. So for that reason, even Rabbi Akiva believes that they went to the Mikveh Friday night. Even though, again, it wasn't necessary. They could have gone Shabbat morning. Even according to the other opinions, they could have gone Shabbat morning. But it does not impact in terms of saying that six or not, not five on note, because everybody went on Friday night. So that way everybody's on the same page by the time we got to Shabbat morning. So, Divrei Rabbi Shmuel ve Rabbi Akiva. These are the position of Rabbi Shmuel Rabbi Akiva, the Mishnah that we quoted before. That is their opinion. Aval Chachamim Omrim. The Chachamim say, Sheish Onot Shlemot Be'inan. We need a full 72 hours. Three days. Three days means literally three days. Six onot, 72 hours. Now, how are the Rabbanan going to work? The Rabbanan obviously have to subscribe to Rabbi Akiva, like Rabbi Akiva said that it's Rabbi Baba, and he came down early on Wednesday morning like Rabbi Yossi. So it's Rabbi Yossi's opinion that he came down Wednesday morning, and came down early Wednesday morning. So now, let's do the calculation. You have Wednesday is one onah, Leo Chamishi is two onot, Yom Chamishi is three onot, 
Leo Shishi is four onot. Shishi, Yom Shishi is five onot. What's the sixth onah? Leo Shabbat is the sixth onah. What basically the Rabbanan do is they don't subscribe to Rabbi Yitzchak's position. Rabbi Yitzchak's position that it would be unbecoming to have part of the nation going to Matan Torah and part of the nation going to the Mikveh. For that reason, Rabbi Kiva rejects going to the Mikveh on Shabbat morning and says they must have gone to the Mikveh Friday night. The Chamim say, no, they did go to the Mikveh on Shabbat morning. If they did go to the Mikveh on Shabbat morning, then you do have a full six onot. If you have a full six onot, that's the position of the Chachamim. What's very interesting over here is, there's a dayah in the Geonim, and we know that when you have the Chachamim's opinion, they're the majority, the Allah should be like them. So if you say here, the Chachamim believe you need six onot, it would sound like that's the Allah. The Allah is that you need three days, 72 hours, may eight late. But the Geonim say that they're passing like the Chachamim, and that they only require 36 hours. Where do they get that from? So if you look over here, there's a little marking, a little aleph over there, which refers to the Gotagra. And the Gotagra says, the girsa of the Geonim in the Gemara was not that the Chachamim says Sheish Onot, but rather that they say Shalosh Onot, three Onot. That the requirement from Hamad Aritzanai was only three Onot. Well, how do you come up with three Onot? For the Chachamim, where do you ever get three Onot from? So, again, I sent out the diagrams, but uh just show you that the Chachamim will say Shalosh Onot, they're, first of all, going to have to subscribe to the position of the Chachamim. That Moshe came down on Thursday morning, and Thursday morning is when they were commanded to separate from their wives. Now, they could have one, of two, one or two or three options of what they could do. They could either say that he came down on Thursday morning, and he told them Thursday during the day, and before nightfall, they had to separate from their wives. If that's the case, the three on oath would be Leo Shishi, Yom Shishi, Leil Shabbat. That would be the three on oath. Shabbat morning, oh wait, they're going to make for Shabbat morning. Again, like we saw in the Chachamim before, they don't subscribe to Rabbi Yitzchak. The other two possibilities, one possibility is that they were Poresh, middle of day on Thursday. And that means that they would end the, somewhere in the middle of the night on Friday night, they could go to Mikveh then. Or, that inscribes to the Chachamim's position that it was Thursday morning, but also to Ravad Rabba. The Ravad Rabba that says, Beshkama Allah, Beshkama Yerad. So Moshe came down very early Thursday morning. So now how do I get three onot? I get Yom Chamishi, Leo Shishi, Yom Shishi, they can go to the Mikveh Friday night. Ah, why don't they go to the Mikveh on Shabbat morning? They subscribe to Rabbi Yitzchak. That's another way to have it set up. So there are other Rishonim, not the Yonim that have it also be three onot, but they define onot as 24 hours rather than 12 hours. And so then you end up in the same place as six onot of 12 hours. All right, those are the different opinions. All right, now, Amar of Chista, Machloket Shepirsham in Aisha. The Machloket here is only when the Shechvat Zerah is being disgorged by the woman. If a man has a seminal omission, as long as it's moist, it's Tmeya. It doesn't have this 72-hour time frame. It has a very simple test. If it's moist, it's Tamei. If it is dried out, it is not Tamei. That's the only test here. We don't have this time period. The difference being that when the Sheikh Vazera is disgorged from the man, it's now exposed to the air. 
So it's exposed to the air. As long as it's moist, it's still good shikvat zera. There's no other aspect or variable acting on it. And so if it's moist, it's good. If it's dry, it's no good. Within the woman, you have an additional variable, which the Gemara is going to discuss in one second, is that you have heat. The woman, when the shikvat zera meets inside of the woman, not only do we have time elapsing, but we also have heat that is working on it. Heat will accelerate the breakdown or the deterioration of the shikvat zera. So because of that, the woman's time frame is defined by the machloka that we saw before, not by moist or dry. Obviously, when she is disgorging it, it's going to be moist. It's not coming out as a solid object. It's coming out as a liquid. But despite the fact that it's coming out with a liquid, it's no longer considered to be Sheikh Lazera, because not only did it pass a certain amount of time, but it was also heated. Because of that, it deteriorates at a faster pace. Any piece of clothing, leather, that has Sheikh Lazera on it is Tamei. So Prat, the Sheikh Lazera, Shehisrucha. That comes to exclude Shevazera that is spoiled, gone rot, and gone bad, putrid. My love, Shapir Shemenaish. Sounds like we're talking about Shevazera that came out of a man. Doesn't define here who Shevazera it is. And if that's the case, putrid is the definition, not moist or dry. Whether it's putrid or not is the definition. Where it says, lo, Shapir Shemenaisha. That statement that's brought, that right to Robert of Sheshit, is talking about something that was disgorged from the woman. And that's the definition. By a woman, sricha, rod, and putrid is the definition, not moist and dry. Bayra Papa. Shikva Jerashal Israel, a Jewish man's semen, Bemei Kutit, that's deposited inside of a non-Jewish woman. Mahu. What's the din? So from here you see how the Gemara views it differently inside the woman than outside. Which is, Israel the digigei gufayu. Jews who are worried about doing mitzvot, their bodies have a higher level of heat in them. That would cause the acceleration of the deterioration of the Sheikh inside of the woman. But here you have a non-Jewish woman who does not have that da'aga, is not involved, doesn't have as many mitzvot, and because of that, maybe she doesn't have that heat that works on the Sheikh Vazera. Or, the other possibility is, or maybe because they eat non-kosher foods, but not just non-kosher foods, these creepy, crawly things, these things that are considered to be inappropriate for eating, partly because they're not kosher, but also because they are disgusting. So they ingest these items, and those items are they heat up their body. So the Gemara offers the two alternatives here. One is that the mitzvot are a cause that they don't have that. Or maybe they have an alternative to the mitzvot which causes the heating inside the body. If you want to suggest that they have the same din as a Jewish woman because of what they ingest. Let's talk about inside of an animal. If the semen was deposited inside of an animal, what's the din then? A woman who not only has the rechem, the uterus, but also has the vaginal canal that leads up to the uterus. Therefore, the shechvat zera is away from the opening of the woman to the outside air, and that's what allows it to heat up or to deteriorate. But by behemah, which does not have that extensive vaginal canal, but rather the uterus sits right at the edge, maybe over there, that exposure to the outside air doesn't allow it to heat up or to become putrid inside at that accelerated rate. Maybe because the woman has this prusdor, maybe it makes no difference 
Teiku. That the Gemara leaves as an unresolved issue. Right, so here we have the Machloket between these different opinions about what the Dina Palatet Shikwadzer is. What is interesting about this is, what is the Halacha? When the Halacha with regards to Palatet Shikwadzer, here we see the maximum amount of time that one would have to wait for Palatet Shikwadzer is 72 hours. Or the equivalent of three days. So at most, you would have to wait as three days. The possibility is that you had the BIA in the middle of a day. So the 72 hours could stretch across four days, possibly. We have today our din of Nida today. It's premised that every woman is a Zavagdola. And we wait for Shivanikim. The Rishonim discussed this. That the Gemara says that Paletet Sheikh Vazera ruins Shivanikim. So we cannot, a woman cannot begin counting her shivanikim until she has passed the window in which she could be paletet shikvadzera. Because if she is paletet shikvadzera, it will ruin her shivanikim. The Rishonim point this out. There is an argument, but in the end they all agree that it's a low plug. It doesn't matter. Even if a woman did not have biyah, we still have to give her the requisite time for if the possibility she had biyah. Oh, so why do we wait five days? So Tosfot calls it a Chumrah Yuterta. It's really a additional Chumrah. It's an additional Chumrah, but it has to do with the fact that, again, we're passing like the Chachamim that it's 72 hours. The 72 hours could stretch across four days instead of three days. So therefore, we're worried about a woman who sees in the middle of a day, she'll make a mistake. So therefore, we say, wait four days to be sure. So then the Chachamim introduced another possibility that she saw at Benesh Mashot. In a case where she saw Benesh Mashot, we're uncertain as to whether the Biyah belongs to the previous day or the next day. So if it belongs to the next day, we're going to force her to wait four days anyway. Even though, at that point, she really only has to wait 72 hours, because we know it was at the beginning of the day. But despite that fact, for a low plug, we're going to make her wait four days. But there's also a possibility that it was the day before, the previous day. The previous day would make it now that it's over five days, given that stuff, fake. And since there's that possibility that it could stretch over five days in that unusual circumstance, say all women have to wait the five-day period in order to clear out the Sheikh Vazera. So it really is a very, very far-fetched Chumrah. It's an extensive Chumrah. The truth is that in practical cases, most of the times it doesn't really matter. Because for Anida to stop having sighting of blood within that five-day period is very unusual. And so usually the extent of Nida covers it, pushes her past into that five-day period or into the sixth day anyway. But there are cases where a woman with a very short cycle, there is that such a thing, a woman with a very short cycle, and she has a very short cycle, it's going to be very difficult for her to get pregnant. Because of the way that we do this, we wait the five days plus the Shiva Nikim, a woman with a very short cycle will almost always miss her ovulation. And that will cause a problem. So there is, in extenuating circumstances like that, what a woman can do is skip going to the mikveh after her last sighting. Never become tohor. If she never becomes tohorah, she can't be together with her bow. She can't be together with her husband. She can't be together with her husband. It's not like the other cases where we say she could have been, but she did chose not to. There we say low plug, and she's like any other woman. But over here, she cannot be together with her husband because she is tmeah. So if she allows the two cycles to run together then she doesn't have to wait the requisite five days. She just has to wait the 72 hours for low plug, and that would allow her to bring in an extra two days to her cycle if she's really having a problem. Again, we don't rely on this in normal circumstances. It's in extenuating circumstances. 
The Ramah speaks about this ability to do that in order to allow the woman who has a very short cycle to become in, in, pregnant. The Gemara here speaks about the machloket that we introduced earlier, which is the machloket between Rabbi Yossi and the Chachamim. And that is Tarnab Banan. B'shisha b'chodesh nitnu aser that he brought to Israel. On the 6th of Sivan, B'nai Israel accepted the Torah. Rabbi Yossi Omer, B'shiva bo. Yossi says, no, they accepted the Torah on the 7th of Sivan. So now, let's see what they agree about. And then we'll figure out where their machloket is. Amarava, first of all, they agree. Everybody agrees on Rosh Kodesh, they came to Har Sinai. And that's because of the Pasuk that is at the beginning of Parakutet. The Gemara here is basically darshaning Parakutet and Shmot, which is the lead up to Har Sinai. It says there, On the third month, which is Sivan, on that day, they came to Midbar Sinai. What's that day? So it doesn't tell you what that day is. So here we have a drush from Rabbah. It says, So there we have a Chodesh Hazeh, and we have Bayom Hazeh. Malahala and Rosh Chodesh, Avka and Rosh Chodesh. Just like by the Hazeh, by Yitziat Mitzrayim, it's time out Rosh Chodesh, when Moshe gives them the Dinim. So to over here, we're talking about Rosh Chodesh, which means that everybody agrees, according to Rava, that they showed up at Har Sinai on Rosh Chodesh, number one. Number two is, Kuli Alma B'Shabbat Nat Torah L'Yisrael. On Shabbat, the Torah was given. That means that Mamad Har Sinai was Shabbat morning. Tivocha, because it says in the Aser to Dibrod, Zachorat Yom HaShabbat Ligodsho. Tivotam, and it says by Yitziat Mitzrayim, Yom HaShel Am, Zachorat Yom HaZeh. Remember this day that you left Mitzrayim. Malahalan, just like when you left Mitzrayim, Bitsumosho Yom, you left in the daytime. Afghan, Bitsumosho Yom, so to over here, in the daytime. And Moshe is discussing the event with him on the day that it actually happened. So just like by Mitzrayim, he's speaking to them on the day they left Mitzrayim, so too when he's speaking about Shabbat, he's speaking to them about the day itself about which he is speaking. So Shabbat day is when they receive the Torah. Keep Lidei. Where is the Machloket now? We said before that Rabbi Yossi believed Moshe came down from the Har on Wednesday morning, and Chamin believed that he came down on, from the Har on Thursday morning. Their Machloket relates to Bikviya Diarcha, what day Rosh Chodesh was on. What day was Rosh Chodesh on? Rabbi Yossi, Savgar, Bechad B'Shabo, Yikva That on Sunday was Rosh Chodesh. That means they got to Har Sinai on Sunday, because we said before, they came to Har Sinai by Yom Azeh, and that day was Rosh Chodesh. On the other hand, the Chachamim believe that they came to Har Sinai on Rosh Chodesh, which is on Monday. Monday was Rosh Chodesh, and therefore they came to Har Sinai on Monday. The difference will then end up being that what date is Shabbat morning? If you show up at Har Sinai on Sunday and say that's Rosh Chodesh, Shabbat morning is the 7th of Sivan. On the other hand, if you come to Har Sinai on Monday and say that's Rosh Chodesh, then Shabbat morning is the 6th of Sivan. And that's exactly the machlok between the Chachamim and Rabbi Yossi as to whether it was the 6th of the Sivan or the 7th of Sivan when the Torah was given. The remainder of what we say now is agreed upon between them. Even though the Gemara now brings it in the position of Rabbi Yossi, it is agreed between them. Which is that there was a process. A number of days that took place between the time that Moshe and the Mam Yisrael show up at Har Sinai and then Moshe is called up to speak to God. And that is... In Pasuk Gimel, it says, Moshe Allah Elohim. That Moshe goes up to speak to God, but he cried, Allah Hashem, in a Harley Moor. God speaks to Moshe from the mountain. 
That will be the day after they reach Har Sinai. And that's what the Gemara says. Hashem didn't speak to them on Sunday, because they just arrived at Har Sinai on Sunday. Betray Meshavah, on Monday, Amar Lahu. Sent them what's found in Pesach Gimel, in the Parsha of Perakutet of Mabad Har Sinai. That was what God tells Moshe to go tell B'nai Israel that we have a deal between us, a covenant between us, that you will be my nation, and you will listen to what I say. I will be your God, you will be my nation. Then the people respond. Moshe comes down, relays the information to the people, and the people say, Whatever God says, we will do. That's the end of, basically, Monday. Tuesday morning, which is halfway through Pasuk Ched, it says, Vayashe Moshe Devrei Amel Hashem. Moshe returns B'nai Yisrael's answer to Hashem. That, according to the Gemara here, is Vitzlato, on Tuesday. On Tuesday, Moshe goes back up to Har Sinai. The Pesukim continue then in Pasuk Ted and says, Vayom Hashem Moshe, Hinei Enochi Balech Bavanan, Bovo Yishma'am, B'dabri Yimach, V'gam B'chay Yaminu Le'olam. Then, we have the Am that responds and says something to Hashem. At the tail end of Pasuk Ted, it says, V'yiget Moshe, Devir Amel Hashem. Moshe tells what the Am said to Hashem. But Hashem didn't ask the Am for any information. They didn't ask for anything. What are they responding to? So Rashi says, well, what happened was, there's a little bit out of order here. But if you skip the Pasuk Yudbet, it says, V'yiget Am Saviv Le'mor. The information Moshe got when he went up on Tuesday morning was that you have to be magbil dehar, that you have to put a fence around the mountain so B'nai Israel cannot approach the mountain. That is what B'nai Israel are responding to. Yes, we will do that. Yes, we acknowledge we will put a fence around. And therefore, that's what the Gemara says here. But Tlat on Tuesday, Amar lo mitzvot agbala. Told him the mitzvot agbala. Ba'arba'a on Wednesday, avud prisha. So now we have the tail end of Pasuk Tet, which is, Wednesday morning, Moshe returns up to Hashem to tell him that the Bnei Israel accepted this issue of the fencing in the mountain. And then, Pasuk Yud begins, That's a tzivui of hafrashav, separating from their wives. The Rashi explains it in Chumash, and what Rashi basically does is takes which is found in Parshat Mishpatim, and says what's missing from the conversation here is actually found in Parshat Mishpatim. And that's the fill-in. He does not do that here based on the Gemara, but Rashi and Chumash does do that. says the missing dialogue is found in Parshat Mishpatim. Right, the Ramban and the Ebenezer do not agree to that because the Ramban and Ebenezer both believe that Parak Havdalet takes place after Mamad Sinai, and therefore they could not lift it and bring it back to the discussion in Parakutet. So then Moshe comes down with about Pisha. So now that is on Wednesday morning. Wednesday morning is, according to Rabbi Yossi, the time that they got the information about Pisha, that to separate from your wives for three days. So then, according to the Rabbanan, the Rabbanan have the same layout as Rabbi Yossi, just they start a day later. Monday was Rosh Chodesh. Did say things on that day because they arrived on that Monday. On Tuesday morning, so that happens on Tuesday morning. On Wednesday morning, 
at the mitzvah Agbala. Behey, on Thursday morning, he tells them about the hafrasha, tells them about the prisha. And that's the three days according to the Chachamim. So now, Meitavei, this was asked earlier in this year, Kidashtam Ayomu Machar. Sounds like you are Mikadish them today, tomorrow, and then on the third day is Matan Torah. That works well for the Chachamim. Prisha happened on Thursday, Friday. Shabbat, you get the Torah. According to Rabbi Yossi, they separated out on Wednesday. You have Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, three days that they are preparing. Only on the fourth day do they receive the Torah. Where did this extra day all of a sudden appear from? So, Kashul Rabbi Yossi, Amalachar Yossi, Yom Echad Usif, Moshe Midato. Moshe added an additional day here. An additional day of Hagbalah, and that is one more day to prepare. So truthfully, according to Rabbi Yossi, the Torah should have been given on Friday morning. Moshe added an initial day of preparation that was docheh, that pushed off Matan Torah until Shabbat morning. We'll stop here. The Gemara continues and brings the Brayta that talks about certain things that Moshe did of his own volition that Hashem later on acquiesces to. And gives him Haskamah. This is one of those three items. Just Moshe added an additional day. How do we know that Hashem was Maskim? Because he only comes down to give the Torah on Shabbat morning. Okay, we'll stop over here.